Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. This is the Product Purpose Camp Network, and I'd like to thank you and welcome everyone to the 1,221st episode of Public Camp Network. This is the show, Self-Expressions, and I am your host, Brother Robert Pop-Pop Hudson. And before we get started, I just want to uh, give you some of the scriptures that we're going to go over. And some of the scriptures we go over, we're going to go over tonight is going to be Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, and John Chapter 11, uh, we're going to go over most of uh, John chapter 11. And before we get started, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, just uh, go ahead and uh, just let you know what my topic for tonight is. It's suspiciously being black in America. And it's going on, this is my title. And the reason why this is my title is because for many years, over and over again, I've been, you know, um, Seeing and witnessing some of the same events that's been going on, and I just wanted to really, you know, go over this topic because we have a lot of young lions right now in the streets that are demonstrating, and for the most part, there was a little bit of demonstrating, looting, and property destruction, but for the most part now, it's it's mostly peaceful demonstrations, which was meant to be uh, in the first place where, you know, we had birds or for whatever reason, uh, we had someone exciting uh, these young crowds of, of young people that want to make change. You know, throughout our life, you know, we have been achieving to make change. You know, there's been a, a huge void, a huge vacuum where we had these peaceful demonstrations where, you know, besides the, you know, the Million Man March, and, you know, the, the March for Washington, you know, we haven't had that, you know, peaceful demonstration where we have masses and masses of people. But now we have masses and masses of people worldwide. And, you know, one of the things that is misrepresented is that as a citizen of this country, we can't sue the government. We can't sue the United States, but that's not true. And truth and fact are in point, whereas though the same rules they have regulated time and time again and where they try to stand out and separate where we are exception to the rule, we cannot exercise our right, was when Marcus Garvey stepped in and sued the government. He sued the government because they wanted to put us somewhere. They wanted they didn't know what to do. They couldn't and reservations like they did Indians. So we started the Back to Africa movement. Started that. That incited the government. And he successfully sued the government. Uh, it wasn't to a great degree as what we're looking for. But it was a, a you know, it was a, it was a victory. So, you know, let me just go go on. And in light of what 
you know, um, everything is going on. And like I said, you know, everybody thinks that this government can't be sued. And on top of that, successfully. So I just wanted to, you know, um, point out that fact in history that has eluded everyone where, you know, things that are in light of, you know, the need of the masses have been covered up, whereas that can't be found. Well, it's true, it can be found. So I'm going to go over Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Behold, I send you out as a sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And I just want to, like I said, I know we have the, the young ones out there demonstrating, and they, you know, I just want to, to send that message to them. You know, America, country, you know, it is basically portrayed to be a country to make, you know, your dreams come true. In reality, this is a country that likes to exploit the less fortunate and undereducated citizens. Wealthy or glorified, whether successful or not. And, you know, the, the examples I state is going to be the, the statues that they portray and, and display all across this country. Statue of the likes of Christopher Columbus. You know, it still stands and it's credited for founding America. In truth, he actually found Cuba and Haiti. Right now in the history books, it's still taught today that he is the founder of America. He's Christopher Columbus. He came and he found basically the Caribbean. He found Cuba and then he later returned and still misses market and landed in Haiti. But yet he still celebrated as a founding a founder of America. I don't know where do you celebrate failure, but yeah, it's still it's still read in the history books. You know, and, and another example I can give you, you know, is General Custer and his famous last stand at the Alamo. This man was actually honored for losing the battle. I know that there are, you know, some reasons for people to be cited for bravery. Uh, and most recent memories, I can think of the firefighters at 9-11 when they try to successfully save as many people and as many lives as they can. But this here, you know, is an example of, you know, how the American propaganda machine works. And General Custer was basically all through his campaign through Texas, New Mexico, and even Mexico itself, were actually fighting Indians that were basically fought with, was fighting them with bow and arrows. The Indians he fought at last stand finally figured out how to use rifles and guns. And so when, they, when he was actually at his last stand, he was actually fighting an even battle that he lost, but yet he celebrated for his last stand. And that is the culture of where America has has made itself. And then I'm going to give you one more example of the biggest loser that we celebrate, which is General Robert E. Lee. He's basically the Confederate general that tried the very government we have right now to stand today, who has more statues in this country than any standing president, past or present. Yet, 
I always hear the South will rise again. I have friends and family members down South, and I never heard any of them the phrase, the South will rise again. But yet, you know, I, I still hear it. The South will rise again against who? This government again? You know, there's there's many things that's offensive. And I know when I was young, the one thing I did not understand was the Confederate flag. And there were so many different displays, and even on TV shows like the Dukes of Hazzard, where I was just in love with the General Lee until I found out what that flag on the top of that car really meant. And I felt duped, and I felt the shame that I was actually in love with that car, the General Lee. And then when I found out that General Lee was actually a general that stood up for the Confederacy. And, you know, the, the biggest indictment that, you know, we have is how we still stand there and we're duped by what the government is pushing on us. What the government is pushing on us is something that has been unprecedented in any country. Even, you know, we can point out to how the Mexican, Mexican government, and so is our government. What other government do we know in this world that we can truly say is not corrupted for some reason or another? Whether it's communism, socialism, or just capitalism. Each country has its own twist. The one thing I'm just going to say and present, and it's going to be a little different, and I know that um, I may have someone want to comment, but let me just go through this. I'm going to ask you, what is the biggest gang in this country? It's not the Crips. It's not the Bloods. It's not the Latin Kings. And it's not the Gangster Disciples. But it's the police. I know the argument, but not all cops are, are, are bad. But this is, you know, is what I have to say. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Human rights across this world has, you know, it has improved, except for this country. So why am I pointing, you know, the finger at the police? Because... They're like a gang, and they have gang-like actions. You know, prison is where society sends its failures, but society itself is failing. You know, police will send you to the state penitentiary, the federal penitentiary for breaking laws. So who puts them in jail? You know, I know there is police of busy councils and things like that. You might as well say there's just somebody there or just smack somebody in the hand. You know, I have rarely seen or have it publicized of where officers of the law, and these officers of the law, if you understand, if you understand it, as I, I stand correctly, we pay taxes. There are paid workers. We pay for their protection. We pay for their lawful upholding of the law, of the land, and they have not done it. And when they break the law, who puts them in jail? You know, cops have committed the same crimes that they put us in jail for. 
drug using, drug selling, armed robbery, strong armed robbery, grand larceny, racketeering, conspiracies, commit murder, extortion, aggravated assault, mayhem, sodomy, trespassing, embezzlement, perjury, kidnapping, smuggling, grand theft, brandishing a firearm, carrying a concealed weapon, breaking and entering, and cold-blooded premeditated murder. So when, when, you know, if you ask me right there at this point, it's guilty as charged. Did you know that Michael Vick served more time for killing a dog than any cop for killing an unarmed black man? They say justice is blind. I guess this is true because justice truly doesn't see us. I guess the Statue of Liberty is the is, is just one of the biggest bits that we have on display in this country right now. You know, the torch is in one hand, basically the cross. And the book is in the other hand to toss it at us. We want justice. It's basically just us. The biggest indictment against the police that if you ever want to have any is the TV show Cops. And it's no longer broadcasted. You know, that TV show is the biggest indictment of the difference of being black or white. Countless times where a white motorist is pulled over and an officer lets them know that there is that they're impaired, and at the you know at the end or whatever he says, hey you know, I think you're so impaired you can't walk home, and they drive him home. Well, if you're back and you're black, you know suspicion quickly arises, and you know they check for warrants, you know, they they search your car, and they want to know you know, just you know what you've done. They're not asking, they're not asking or, or looking at you like you're. Or, or a citizen, or they even, or or they even concerned about your well-being, they just automatically have a cloud of suspicion right there over whoever they're talking to. You know, I understand why. You know, they have that that need to sanitize things and they take it off the air. But by taking it off the air, that show's been on for twenty plus years. In twenty plus years. I've been looking at the same exact thing that's been going on in our society and our police across the country. It's not a lack of training. It's a lack of their thinking that their discretion is what they should do. You know, and, you know, one of the things that I want to talk about tonight is we have this question. And our own discretion is how are we sitting here and taking everything in and believing that, you know, we're living the American dream? And how is it that someone can just walk in the country and live the American dream but not us? Well, I can tell you what the problem is. The problem is, is that, you know, we look at things today and we say, you know, we were old 40 acres and mule. Right now, it seems like so many people settle for a pickup truck and a flat screen TV and call it even. But, you know, on top of everything, and, you know, no, no matter how much we're, you know, we're behind the eight ball, you know, we still sit and persevere. And there's a reason for that. Because as, as long as, you know, we persevere, we've seen our friends, our family members, We've seen so many things happen, but we're at the discretion 
of basically the law, and it depends on, you know, who we are talking to or who we're getting pulled over for or or by, you know, we got either Officer Friendly or Officer Judge Dredd who thinks he's Judge Jury and Executioner. You know, we have to understand that in this country, there's so many things that's been swept under the rug, and it's just as well as this issue here. And this issue here is where, you know, we just can't automatically just take up arms. We have to find this from within. And what are we doing within? If you look at us as a society, I'm talking about black Americans here in this country, we have to understand how worldwide black citizens in any other countries are. If you're black in China, you're Chinese. It's not you're black Chinese. If you're black in Russian, uh, in Russia, you're not a black Russian. You're Russian. If you're from France, you're not a black France. You're from France. If you're from England, you're not black English. You're English. So why is it that we have to be classified in this country? Why do we have a stigma? Because they suspiciously don't, and I'm not saying that they're, now this is where I'll reverse the roles. I'm not saying that they're not good citizens of this country. I'm saying that what is taught to the citizens, we are second class. Ever since Juneteenth, when troops had to come and inform the slave owners that they are no longer slaves, they had to come armed and to do combat. Because the way they were embedded in having slavery, even though the Confederacy lost, and this is the reason why I say you know, constantly hear the South will rise again. Rise again against what? To do what? Overthrow the government and enslave us again? I want a clarification on that. And, you know, the, the phrases are so clear and it's so apparent with what President Trump has said, make America great again. But at what time this country is truly in harmony? At what time? What time was it great for every citizen in this country? To 9-11. And, you know, and this is supposed to be a country of freedom. After 9-11, Muslims all across this country were persecuted. You know, for a change, uh, that persecution, you know, it came off of our backs for a while. But once again, the country reverted back to where it was and, you know, where it was before. And I just want to know at what point was this country great? At what point? that we can actually express freedom in this country without being under suspicion. You know, even Jesus was under suspicion with his disciples. He was under suspicion. It may sound strange, but I'll, and I'll elaborate later um, about his suspicion under his disciples because you have two things working. You have the believers, the really, really believers, 
like Paul, and then you had the doubters like Peter. And even though Peter, you know, he got some of the best lessons from Jesus, you know, it was Paul that was diligently and was right there as, you know, and, and just making sure that he did what was needed as far as what Jesus needed as far as being a, a, a disciple. You know, then we had other disciples that were just, you know, moseying along and they saying, well, you know, whatever is happening, you know, and, you know. But they didn't have passion in it. You know, Peter had passion, but he just had this long idea of what was going on. Paul had a passion and fortitude. I'm going to go out and see what Jesus is saying and soak it all in and make sure I get it when I go out. Because he was more than a disciple. Well, well, actually, he was a disciple more than a missionary, but he was going to spread that as far as he can. And his mission was trying to go to Spain and um, spread that gospel there. And along the way, he got uh, captured and thrown in jail. But the one thing about someone on a mission, if you're on a mission, you're going to do it all until you stop breathing. And Paul did that. Paul made sure that the mission will continue, and he made sure that he informed everybody that he was informed because even though he was in prison, Paul was well-informed, and he sent out many letters, and, you know, um, that's just another story right there, but that is the point I'm making. When we make something our life's mission, you know, we just can't say, hey, I want freedom and equality. I got a good job, but you know what? Uh, I'm happy right here, and, uh, Hopefully somebody else will get a good job and they'll be fine and they can take care of their family. And um, But right now I'm unaffected, so I think things are fine right now where I sit. Well, that's the whole problem, you know, and that goes along to where, you know, I want to, you know, um, talk about something that a lot of people don't want to hear, and it's Colin Kaepernick. And it was he was comfortable. He was making millions of dollars. He declined a contract. Because that the company he's working for, which was the San Francisco 49ers, and I'm going to say it um, right here and right now, and the NFL colluded in not giving him another contract. Now, right now, today, the very commissioner that said there was no collusion has to explain to the owners that I want somebody to step up and hire Colin Kaepernick. Why would you have to say that if you were not in collusion? It's like, and I'm just going to explain to you. It's like, you know, you are had a night of hanging out with your friends and your wife questions you, what were you doing or where were you at? And you call your friend. I, I, I got a friend that's going to verify what I was doing. You call the friend, hey, and, you know, and you're leading them on. Hey, remember we were at the movies or something like that. This is just what the NFL, this is what proves what they did. They were in collusion from the commissioner all down to all teams. They colluded to take this man out. And the whole thing was that Colin Kaepernick as a player, is, in my opinion, he was average. He wasn't a superstar. I don't think he would, I don't think he has the skill to by himself lead his team to the Super Bowl. But, you know, the most qualified people don't always, you know, take you to the promised land. Sometimes it takes the whole entity of the team. And so with that, you know, with, with that being said, with Colin Kaepernick, 
he was right all along. And, you know, as they say, you know, time will reveal everything. And this has been, been, has been revealed. The NFL colluded to take someone out of their practice and which they think they have every right. But the collusion is the part where it's so damaging to the NFL. And it's so damaging. And if you realize this is a practice that companies and corporations all over this country use the same tactics. Oh, no. Uh, We hire everybody. We don't discriminate against anybody. But when you go in the doors, who do you see working for them? Who do you see answering the telephones? Who do you see taking out the trash? Is this something I just want to point out? This is how this country has been, and this is how it's hidden in plain sight of how they do things. It's a collusion. Not only, as I'm pointing out in the NFL, this is a collusion of companies. You know, there's, you know, so many things that can knock the confidence out of, you know, um, someone coming from college where either they got a scholarship or they had, you know, uh, their parents save money for them to go to college. The most damaging and, you know, excruciating thing is that you have this degree that you worked for four years after prior to that 12 years of working through school, whether public or private. And when you get, you know, the news of of that you have these qualifications and you can't get the job, and I'm going to tell you something, this is the most uh, crazy statistics of, um, you know, black college students, students that graduate college in their field only 32% of them land a job in their field. That is a bad percentage of somebody paying for college. Either their parents, and like I said, sometimes states funded, and sometimes you may get lucky and you're able for somebody to put the bill for your college or your higher education. But the most damaging thing is that when you successfully get that degree, only 32% land a job in that field. Um, I see I have a call. I'm going to get to you in a little bit. I just want to just um, point home. So you can imagine, you know, what it feels like. And you can, you know, you can understand um, every parent where they send their child to college, whether they're paying for it, paying for some of it, paying for most of it. In some cases, very little, none of it. But for that fact that to find out that your child can't get the job in that field that they want the college for, you know, some people will be proactive and some people will be reactive. And some people just before they, that child goes to college and they pay that money, they want to make sure that job is lined up for their child. And that's why there is a there is a difference. There is a difference. And it's just, you know, the proactive versus reactive. You know, your your child comes home from college, they already had a degree, a degree in hand, and then now they're trying to land a job. But, you know, for some parents, what they do is they do their diligence. While that child is, you know, getting that higher education, they're finding ways and finding places for their child to land up. 
Um, that's just the point I was making. It doesn't. That's not a black and white thing. That's just a parallel thing. I just wanted to put it that way. Um, and so right now I do have a caller, so I'm going to go ahead with the caller on. Um, how you doing, caller? This is Brother Rob. Great call. Uh, self-expression, how you doing? I'm all right. Just was calling and let you know I'm enjoying um, what's being expressed and appreciate prayer sometime a little bit later when you get time. God bless you. God bless you, too, and I, I think I'm familiar with you. I think you called last week into uh, Turning Point. Um, I hope God is yes. with you. I hope God is upholding you and, um, and, and just keeping you safe. Um, you and your, I believe you calling about your daughter, so, you know, you and your daughter. Yes. So, you know, uh, God bless you, brother, and let me just tell you something. Um, stay encouraged. You know, one thing about, um, you know, us as, uh, as being, you know, people, we all do understand our strife and our struggle. We all know that, you know, it is, even though we can't do it alone, it's better with someone, you know, someone there in your corner. And let me tell you, brother, I am in your corner. Um, I, I just, you know, hope God will work things out and, you know, and, and eventually, you know, it will work itself out in, in the end. Yes. And, uh, you know, not a problem. It's great hearing from you. And um, don't don't forget next week, Turning Points will be on, and you can talk to Elder Lee again, and just uh, hopefully you'll be, you know, and prayerfully you'll be giving him a progress report. All right. God bless. God bless you, too. All right, and um, real quickly, just want to let you know that this is Purpose Kingdom Network, and this is the show Self-Expression, and we are on www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. Uh, anytime you want to call into the show, if you are online, you can call in at 319-527-6091, and you can press the number 1. Uh, also, you can also call our other number at 323-870-4174, as always. Uh, press 1, and don't forget to tell a friend or family member that we're broadcasting. And uh, thank you so much and appreciate uh, you uh, passing on the word. And, um, you know, just getting back, you know, to what I was talking about, and I was just basically focusing on education. And education, you know, as we as we see it, it's a point of example. is what I was saying is, is education and how you try to, you know, guide and, and mold your child. And there's some people that's in power, and, you know, I'm not going to mention names, this in Hollywood where they basically bribe their child's way into college. You know, just going way over way qualified people that was qualified to be, you know, um, to, to qualify for certain colleges. And we're talking about major colleges like uh, UCLA and, you know, um, things like that, and Caltech and things like that. And you think that, you know, um, I'm mentioning Caltech like that's, you know, something minor. But, no, Caltech is just as important as MIT that's in New York. And MIT, um, that very, you know, institute is uh, very prestigious. Uh, Some of the brightest minds in this world uh, attend MIT. Uh, And... Yeah, okay, briefly, um, just to wrap up this, this education part. Now, one of the things, sadly to say, is, is a fact that a lot of people that's affected as far as black Americans in this country is being miseducated. Um, education, I just want to let you know, is important. I know um, once you get past the, you know, the first three years of school or schooling, 
you know, we're used to hearing seeing James run, run, spotted the dog and stuff like that. Once you get past, you know, the the little, um, I guess you would say, the the nuances of, of school, well, we learn some things, and, and one of the things is, is, is math and social studies. Um, it's not a given, and I know there's some small examples of people that had little or no education, you know, making it big, like Eddie Murphy. Um, he didn't graduate high school. And there are some small examples, but that's that's not everybody. You know, education is very important, and it seems like there are needless years spent being educated, but in the long run, those that are well-educated are well-off. Uh, for some reason, that's just how the statistics go. And I think it's, you know, it's our responsibility for the future of, you know, black people is to make sure that they're well-educated. You know, from from early from the early years into the later years, because you know the constant numbers of history of what's been happening is going to repeat itself if we are not well educated. You know, we need to be well educated, well informed, and you know, I know there's the you know the way that you know there's that formulation that you know we're all crabs in a barrel, and you know, once somebody's trying to trying to get ahead, you know, we're pulling them down. But that's not the case all the time. All the time is just that miseducation. You know, I'm willing to, you know, if you understand, I'm willing to, you know, educate the next man than, you know, anybody else, you know. And we have to have the, the mentality where, you know, we need to help uplift people. We, we just can't constantly have that crab in the barrel effect where we're tearing down and pulling down somebody. You know, there's just, you know, um, from, you know, my time, you know, around this planet, um, I never, you know, tore down a person that, actually, you know, that didn't, you know, personally do anything to me. I've actually cheered them on because that let me know that I, I can I can make it. You know, and if I can make it, then anybody else can make it, you know, and, and somebody can see, hey, I remember, you know, uh, he only ate oodles and oodles every day, but now look at him. He's got steak and lobster or whatever, or whatever the case is. And it's sometimes the crab in the barrel effect could be a trigger point. It could be an article of clothing. It could be the car somebody drives. And they may think to themselves, I may never drive that car. I may never be able to wear a Versace suit or a Gucci this or, or whatever or a Fendi handbag. You know, that, that, that very same attitude that how we look at objects or things, and says, how the heck did they do that? Same thing. It could be a woman or a man. How did she end up with him, or how did he end up with her? You can't have that attitude. You should have the attitude of, wow, he wound up with a jaguar. Well, maybe one day if I work hard enough, or, or maybe I just ask him, hey, how'd you do that? You know, it it it, it goes a long way being, you know, more friendable, more, you know, that attitude, you know, we have to make sure that we have that attitude of learning, not discrediting. You know, the the one of the things that I've, I've learned from teachers is that the, the major problem they have of teaching students is disruptions. To make sure that we 
don't continue that attitude outside the classroom of making disruptions during our everyday life and our everyday transactions. You know, people make mistakes, and people are people. That's one thing. If you give someone a chance, maybe they didn't know they made a mistake. Maybe they didn't know um, that they stepped on your toe. They didn't know they did this or did that. You know, and, you know, having an irate, you know, that uh, crazy attitude, like you're just ready for war, like you go to sleep with your fist balled up because you're ready to fight at, no, at any point. You know, we just can't have that. We just can't continue over that attitude. You know, where did he get it so far? Hasn't gotten as much much places right now. And uh, I'm going to just uh, wind up and then we go ahead and uh, do the call of salvation. And then I'm going to wrap things up. But um, I'm just um, glad I had the opportunity to talk to you tonight because this is something that has uh, been on my mind for quite some time. You know, it, um more recently since, you know, 2015, where, you know, everything seems to be in a vicious cycle where it continues to repeat itself, where um, I just can't understand how this has been going on. And as I stated before, it seems like Michael Vick did more time for killing a dog than any of these police officers that have been put up and... You know, I know recently, I know this country has, you know, they wanted to make it seem as though they, they are taking action, whereas though in, in, in the past, officer was on administrative leave. Um, he was on administrative leave with pay or without pay. He was still a member of the, that police force. Now they're taking action immediately. Uh, why? I believe they know that people are fed up. And as I stated before, our taxes pay for their salary. They are our employer. They have to answer to us. They truly do have to answer to us. And if you want to know why they're doing or they're revamping everything and putting advisory boards, because they have to answer to us. You know, not everything that we buy, even our savings, is taxed. Everything is taxed. Where does it go to? Goes to the Board of Education, goes to firefighters, goes to police, it goes to municipal services, it goes to highway maintenance and things like that. So if everything is taxed and they get our money from our taxes, we employ them. We employ them. And if any time there's the answer to them, I don't want to hear about no advisory council or no special council or grand jury. I don't want to hear that. We pay you, you answer to us directly. And that's the way it should be. Um, this time, I'm going to go ahead and do the call of salvation. And I just want to offer somebody, um, if they haven't turned your life over to Christ, I just want to let you know that this is one of those uh, good, one of those great opportunities in your life where you can just take advantage and you can turn your life over to Christ. You know, the best way you can do that is just to talk to him directly. Open up the dialogue and just let them know, God, I've been a sinner all my life, and I wish you changed my way. Turn over a new life and be a new child. 
I wish to have you guide and direct me. As I dedicate my life, I, you know, when I've turned my life over, I wish to dedicate myself to you from now and forever. But right now, this is the best decision I've made in my life. And I just thank you so much for accepting me, for sending your only son to die for my sins on the cross. I accept your offer, and I accept, I hope you accept me into the kingdom of heaven. Now, once you said that or something like that, you know, you're saved. You need to make sure that, you know, what you do is you, you tell someone, you let someone know. You need to let them know that you've turned a new leap over in life. You can call your mom, you can call your dad, your best friend, you know, someone. Just let them know that you have you've changed, that you're a new person, you're a new creature, you're walking in the light. You know, and the next step we you know, suggest you do is find a Bible believing teaching, preaching sanctuary that'll make you the word of Christ. I know sanctuaries are not fully open right now, but you know, this is a church without walls here at Purpose Camp Network. You know, we just uh hope you just take advantage of this church without walls here. And you can just uh just celebrate, you know, your your life in Christ and get you know, when you get some nurture in the word of Christ. You know, we just uh, thank you so much, and we just hope that you do, you know, um, the best to elevate your, your salvation. And you can just make sure you can, you can nurture it and let it grow. And with that being said, I'm just going to uh, bring the announcements on, and I'm going to wrap up tonight's show. Um, and so tonight's announcement is, this is a product of Purpose Camp Network. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us tonight, whether you're calling us online or via phone. Please thank you so much uh, for your support and your listenership, and we hope you continue to uh, tell a friend or family member. If you want to contact us here via email, you can contact us here at purposekingdomnet at gmail.com. We can see your comments, questions, concerns. You can simply say hello, send a prayer request, or just let us know you turned a new leaf over in life where you have accepted Christ in your life, and we gladly celebrate that with you. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Purpose underscore Kingdom, where you can do likewise. Um, and um, or at anywhere where podcasts are broadcast, just simply type in Purpose Kingdom, and you're going to just hit the follow button, and that way you get a notification every time we broadcast, so you won't miss a single episode of Purpose Kingdom Network. Um, also, if you want to hear any of our past or previous broadcasts, you can go to www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. You can simply type in the host name or the show name, and you can hear that show in its entirety and at your convenience. Uh, also, um, each and every morning that we're able to, we'd like to join, like for you to join us on Anchor.com or Anchor FM at Purpose Kingdom, where you can get a morning word of inspiration. And if you can't find Anchor on Anchor.com or um, Anchor FM, you can like us on Facebook or any of our social media pages where you can just follow the links uh, to uh, a morning word of inspiration on Anchor.com or Anchor FM, and also some of our past and previous broadcasts here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we'd like to thank you so much for supporting us here at Purpose Kingdom Network. And... Um, with that being said, just note the time difference at 9 p.m. tomorrow evening. We're going to have Peripheral Visions with Sister Antonia Betts. And with God's will and God's blessing, we hope you join us at the 9 p.m. hour for Peripheral Visions with Sister Antonia Betts. And 
with that being said, that's going to be the end of our announcements, and I'm going to get back to wrapping things up. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for listening tonight. And um, it's, it's basically for me, this has been, you know, um, exercising, you know, uh, the, the feelings I have where things are going on and it seems like, the, you know, the same thing is happening. It seems like Groundhog Day, deja vu, where continually the same thing happens. You know, some of the, the like, the soothing that I get where I can just exercise the anger that's, you know, that's in me has been, you know, from years before I'm going to go with music, before music was truly commercialized where it's just so much. It, I, I can't under, I can't really describe what's happened to music uh, where it is just um, music used to be a political awareness. And, you know, one of the, like, the songs that, that Susie where there was just uh, a group called Public Enemy where they had a song, Fight the Power. And it was just sometimes I would have to listen to it three, four, maybe five times. Because it seems like no matter what was going on, nobody heard what we were saying, what was going on, as far as how the injustice and how we were just not being treated fairly when we didn't have a voice. And it was just that type of thing. Would It, it wouldn't incite me, you know, to commit violence, but it just incited me where though finally I got a chance to be heard, even though I'm not singing it. I can hear it. Um, I do have a call. I'm about to let the caller on in a little bit. You know, but right now, even at these times, you know, we don't have that that musical harmony. We don't have that total social um, expression as far as the form of music right now. So I'm going to let my caller on and... Praise the Lord. You're on Self-Expressions with Brother Robert Pop-Pop Hudson. How you doing? Praise the Lord. Hi, Dad. It's Dominique. <laughs> hey. Hey, Dom. How you doing? All right, all right. I just want to say that I'm enjoying the show. I kind of missed half of it because I was asleep and my alarm, I missed my alarm, but um, I just want to say that I am enjoying um, your show tonight, and I think education is so important. You know how I feel about education and just um, I think it's important for us to have education and more importantly to apply that education and not to just store it in. Like um, we shouldn't just be storing in this education that we get but teaching our children and teaching them to stand up for those who cannot speak for themselves the unjust. This is what the Bible tells us this isn't just something the bible is the word is the truth and the spirit so when i think of uh just education i think of the word of god and how we fill ourselves up and the holy spirit leads us into the things that we should be saying the things that we should be doing when we 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 were sometimes it seems it seems like we don't have the words to say, but when we ask God, like, just lead us. And He bring, the Holy Spirit brings back into remembrance of what you learn in the word and how you should handle this situation. Um, so us as African Americans, we cannot 
say that, oh, we'll let God handle it because God has made a, God made us the vessels to stand up. And we're standing up and we're saying, like, we're the mo- people doing, like Moses, let uh, let my people go. Let us be free. Our fathers are being incarcerated. Our fathers are being killed at a higher rate than any other race. And they're just simply being profiled and all that stuff or whatever the case may be. Um, these systems and things like that. So I just thank God for 2020. And thanking God for just revealing, like, a lot of things in the conversations that are on the table where these conversations are now being brought nationally of reform and and, uh, police, you know, things like that, which we wanted these changes a long time ago. But the fact that they're being talked about is just showing how, how how far we have come. We still have so long to go, but how far we have come. Mm-hmm. And just to continue to educate and to, yes, I don't want to ramble on, but, yes, so <laughs> I'm enjoying no, the show. No, you know, yeah. did great. You did great, and um, you hit everything yeah. on a point. Um, there's this one thing I, I probably um, I've expressed before, but um, – this is my daughter, everybody, Dominique Hudson, and she has her show, Dwelling Place. And I just want to converse with her real quickly. Um, but one of the things I, I don't like classifying myself as African-American because I have had no idea what part of Africa I came from. I'm, I'm just a black American because if you want to call everything black and white, I'd rather choose the side. You go ahead and call me black. Don't call me an African-American because you cannot place me. Just like I can't place you in a heaven or hell. You can't place me any place in Africa. And that's just the way I feel, you know, because mm-hmm. I feel as though it's a sign of disrespect calling me an African-American when, you know, somebody comes over from Nigeria or Botswana or something, and they come over and they, you know, they import themselves here. You know, that is an African-American. I'm not an African-American. I'm black in America, and I have no idea where Africa I came from. And that's, you know a little thing I just wanted to express there. But, Dominique, I just thank you so mm-hmm. much for um, coming on. And uh, you made some great points. And I know as far as if I need to, you know, um, an answer on education, you'll be the first one I call. So thank you so much, Dominique. Thank you. Happy early Father's Day. Oh, thanks. You're the first one. <laughs> and once again, like I said, that's my daughter, Dominique Hudson. And she um, has the show The Dwelling Place, which is on every other Wednesday. And her show is upcoming on Wednesday at 9 p.m. Put a reminder in there, and don't forget to uh, listen to her show. So I'm just going to wrap things up uh, real quickly. You know, over 50 years at the murder of Dr. Reverend, uh, at the murder of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., you know, the, the discrimination and erasure of black lives continue, you know, from police shootings to sentences. And that's just another point I just want to make out. You know, the legacy of injustice demonstrates that black people, for no other reason than the color of our skin, are, are perceived as an inherently suspect as a people. You know, race permeates every facet of American society, and racism is the original sin of the American nation. Deeply interwoven in his DNA, you know, culturally and, you know, institutionally. You know, can America change his DNA? You know, it's time for us to lift, you know, immunity from, from police use of lethal force and not just, you know, terminating police who've used 
you know, unjustifiable lethal force as a first, you know, as a first step. America needs a justice system that does does not, you know, judge people on the basis of their skin or religion. You know, the health of American society depends on so much of what happens now because 50 years from now, I hope we're not having the same conversation. And that is just really, you know, within my heart. I just don't know. I don't know how long ago this same conversation started. And it seemed like it was more than 50 years ago, but I know I don't, and I, and I pray to God that 50 years later we're not still having the same conversation because the injustice and it just basically through humanitarian sake, we deserve better than how we're being treated. We do. You know, with that being said, you know, prayfully and, you know, hopefully, you know, God are here. He, he, I know he hears us. But one of the things I always want to make a point about is that God is always an on-time God. And I'm just going to really quickly go over a story. And it's a story of Jesus and his friend named Lazarus. You know, and real quickly, I just go over. It was a man named Lazarus who lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. You know, Jesus loved uh, Lazarus and his sisters. And they in return, they loved Jesus. You know, Lazarus became very sick. The Savior was in another town, and Mary and Martha sent word to him that Lazarus was sick. You know, when Jesus and his disciples, you know, he asked his disciples to go with him to help Lazarus, disciples were afraid to go to Bethany. You know, it was near Jerusalem, and some people in Jerusalem wanted, you know, to kill Jesus, basically. So when Jesus told his disciples that Lazarus was dead, he said that he would bring him back to life, and the miracle would help the disciples know that he was the Savior. Jesus went to Bethany, and when he got there, Lazarus had been dead for four days. You know, and so surely this is where, you know, the disciples, their faith started to wane because they didn't think that after four days that Jesus was going to be able to raise Lazarus from the dead. And when they brought Jesus to the, the tomb, Jesus prayed and asked his father, God up in heaven, to raise Lazarus from the dead. And I'm just um, real quickly just wrapping things up. I'm just, but this is basically from John chapter 11. So when he told the people to move the stone, you know, he told Lazarus, you know, and Lazarus came out of the cave and Lazarus walked out. And many people saw this miracle now and they believed that Jesus was a savior. And this is what I want to let everybody know before I go tonight is that Jesus is our Savior. You know, there is no time table on how he works. We may think things are too late, but he reacts on he reacts and, and effectively on time. You know, we have to make sure we maintain the faith and keep the faith. You know, one of the things I just asked, each and every one of you is to make sure you love yourself because if you can't love yourself, you can't love nobody else. And, you know, with that being said, I love doing what I'm doing. I'm glad I was able to, you know, broadcast and I hope I was able to help, you know, someone and I hope someone, you know, um, kind of understand what I exercised tonight from, you know, from my heart because it's been many years where I didn't really have that expression of where I can just let it go and just let it out. Um, 
it's just, you know, um, it's sad. It's not sad times for me, but it's just like I just can't understand how continually, um, you know, things keep going on, and then, you know, a week or two later, it's business as usual. Well, it's not business as usual. It's, this is something that, you know, it has to be addressed, and it has to be addressed now. And not only are we demonstrating here in this country, it's all over the world, all over the world. Even though it's not as angry and um, explosive as it's been here in the United States, um, let's like to let everybody know that in the world that we thank you and um, we hear you and we understand that, yes, this social injustice has to end. Um, can't imagine doing anything else tonight but being here tonight broadcasting. Um, I just uh, appreciate my listenership. I appreciate uh, this broadcasting, period, 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 here at Purpose Kingdom Network. Um, I just like to, like I said, uh, thank you for being here and God's doing God's blessing. I'll join you in another two weeks with uh, self-expression. Excuse me. And with that being said, I'm just going to close out and I'm going to say peace. Jesus bless. He raised me, I will not lose. He saved me, I will not lose. I will not lose. Never want to see me down, I will not lose. He saved me.